Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Before we get into the Word, I just wanted to take a, a moment and make an announcement. Uh, Theron and Chris, Carissa Drake and their family, uh, Emma, Josh, Brooklyn, Maga, and Banu, uh, the majority of their family has been part of this body for over 13 years now. Three of them didn't exist <laughs> when they when they joined New Covenant Church, um, but their family has grown, and, and Theron uh, and his family came to this body a little over 13 years ago to be our uh, worship pastor and served uh, faithfully and diligently in that role, and we we're so thankful uh, that God sent them here uh, for the time that they were with us. And we're excited to announce that uh, on, what is it, August 2nd, I believe, Sunday, August 2nd, Theron is going to start his first day as worship pastor for uh, First Baptist Church in Border, Texas, back in the Panhandle. That'll be, uh, Theron said, from door to door to Chris's parents' house. It's an hour. Um, so they're uh, very close to, to their family and loved ones in the, in the Panhandle. Uh, and Carissa accepted a second grade position, reading teacher position at the school. Um, and so we're very excited for them. We're, we'll be praying for them and, and uh, that God's just going to open those doors and do a great work in that ministry and in the lives of their whole family. But uh, this will most likely be their last Sunday uh, as here living in uh, Lampasas. And so after this service, so we invite you to take a minute to, to visit with them and say goodbye and just give them uh, our appreciation and how much we've loved them and, and their family and being part of the body of Christ. So we encourage you to do that after the service. And I'll I'll remind you at the end, too. Uh, I think a lot of our announcements, by the time we get to the end of the service, nobody remembers what what we talked about at the beginning. But we'll make sure to remind you. Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, please turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. And we're going to get there in just a moment. But before we do, I want to uh, share a word with you that I felt like God spoke to me um, during the throne room encounter worship that we had on Friday night. Uh, as you know, and I, I brought it up again last week, but uh, back in February, God had spoke a word to me on from Hebrews chapter 12, and we had an entire series on the unshakable kingdom of heaven, uh, the, the, that Christ is the truth, that unshakable foundation that we're rooted and that we stand upon. But on Friday evening, he brought that word again and, and spoke a, a little bit different word. And, and, and then when I went back and read the scripture again, I saw something that I hadn't seen before. And let me just read you uh, a portion of Hebrews 12, verse 26. Uh, in that passage, God says, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. But then he goes on to say that only what's shakable. Only what has been made uh, will shake, not what's permanent, not what is eternal, not what's part of his kingdom. So this heaven that he's describing is, is kind of like the second heaven. And we talked last week and we're about to read again that we don't wrestle, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the spiritual realm, in the heavenly realm. And what God spoke very clearly to me is the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, everything that he has and that he has, been, uh, he has built is being shaken apart by God. We're seeing things shaken in the physical realm, but the spiritual realm is being shaken as well. And Satan is literally seeing his kingdom crumble around him right now. And the word of God has promised us that in the end, there will not be one stone on top of the other in his kingdom. 
everything is going to be decimated and devastated. In Colossians 1.13, it says, God has rescued us from the domain, from the power and the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the power, into the domain and into the kingdom of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the eternal kingdom. That is the unshakable kingdom of heaven. Nothing in heaven will be shaken. Not one stone will fall off the wall of God. But nothing is going to remain of the kingdom of darkness and the domain of Satan. Everything is going to be shaken. And so we're standing here right now seeing the world shake apart around us. And the truth is, is this isn't a new thing. This has happened from the very beginning. We can see it all through the Old Testament and through the Word of God. When God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and, and, and really, like I've, I've told you over and over before, we've never um, synced up our worship and Word, but literally the Word, the, the worship that we sang today, preached the message that you're about to hear. That we have to be totally dependent on God, desperate for Him, that He's the only one who can rescue us. He's the only one that can save us. And when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, He made sure that they were totally, 100% dependent on Him. Every day He gave them manna. Apart from that, they would have had nothing to eat. Multiple times they were in the wilderness with no water and they would go to Moses and say, did you bring us out here to starve and die of thirst? We would have been better off in Egypt if you would just left us alone in slavery and God would bring water out of a rock. And he said, I am your life. I'm the only thing that you should depend on. I am the only one that you're to trust. And they were totally dependent on Him. And then they went into the promised land and they had the provision of the world. And we see over and over and over that they would walk away from God because they had what they needed. Their needs were met and they would take their eyes off of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, their life itself, and put it on the world. And over and over and over, God would have to come down and tap it. And it would all crumble. And they'd go back to Him. And so over and over and over, God says He's going to shake the things of the world. But in Hebrews 12, it says there's going to be a final shaking. Where not only is the world going to shake, but also the heavens. Everything that is not of me is going to crumble away. And all that will be left is the kingdom of heaven. And God Himself. And if we've put our faith, if we have put our trust, if we have put our hope in Him, we won't be shaken. Nothing's going to crumble. Because He's our life. Jesus at the well, with the woman at the well, He said, if you knew who I was, you would ask for living water. And you would never thirst again. And He said, I'm the bread of life. If you only knew who I was. You would live on me. We just took communion, the reminder that he is our life. But over and over and over, we take our eyes off of this life, this perfect life, our total provision, everything that we need. And we put it on the things of the earth and the kingdom of darkness. And God's saying, I'm shaking it again. And whether or not this is the final shaking or just another shaking to bring His people back, either way, there's going to be a revival. 
There's going to be people who realize everything I put my trust in fell apart and I can only trust in God. And the world is going to see that shift. And if this isn't the day, the day is going to come where everything in the kingdom of Satan will fall and crumble apart. And the only thing that is left is the kingdom of heaven. It's a promise. It's the truth. And the kingdom of heaven will stand forever. And I want to pray this word over us this morning because we build up things in our life that are of this world. We build up protections that are of this world. We put our hope and our trust in our job, in our provision, in our ability. And look at the things of the earth and think, this is my hope. And whether we admit it or not, it happens so, so easily and so deceitfully that we don't even realize it. But when we see things that are going on in the world today, and if fear creeps in and you see fear just rampant throughout our country and through the world, but the only thing they're afraid of is that their world is going to fall apart. But if our hope and our trust is in Him and His kingdom, nothing is going to fall apart. And so my prayer, and I I would invite you to agree with me, is going to be that everything in our heart, everything in our life that is not of Him will crumble apart. And it's kind of a scary prayer to pray because we don't know what needs to come down. But God does. And all that we want left is what's of Him, what's eternal. When he was speaking this word to me on Friday night, my prayer was, Father, if I walk away from this life with a speck of dust from your kingdom, that's enough. Because that's eternal. It's forever. It will never go away. If that's my only possession to leave this earth and I enter your kingdom, but I did something in this world that was eternal, that's enough. Because it's of your kingdom. Everything else I could build or attain is going to pass away. It's going to burn away and nothing will be left but what's of him. So we have to hope and pray that he will take away, that he will crumble away everything that we've put our trust in that's not of him. Dear Holy Father, I just pray over us right now and the body in Lampasas, the body in Texas, the body and nation of the United States and your body throughout the world. Lord, we pray, we agree with the work that you're doing in our world right now. Lord, we pray that everything that is part of the kingdom of our enemy, the the domain of our enemy is going to come crashing down. Lord, he is the only one with something to fear. He's going to lose everything. Nothing will remain, Father. And we agree with the attack, the onslaught of heaven on our enemy, Lord. Father, I pray that you will root out everything that we've built up in our life, in our heart, that is not of you, Father. And we pray, I pray that it will crumble away. That nothing of this earth will remain. Nothing, Lord Jesus said, that Satan had nothing on him. And he came to cover us, to clothe us in his righteousness, that he wouldn't have anything on us. Lord, we we desire to be totally dependent on you, Lord. Do your work in us that we uh, would be that light that you've called us to be in this world. That they would look at us and see uh, that we're not shaking. That we're not afraid. We may lose everything we have in this world, Lord, and it won't mean anything because it was all temporary. None of it was going to remain anyway. But what we have is eternal. 
Lord, let your word go forth in this world. Let your glory go forward. Let you, uh, we just pray that you would be proclaimed and Jesus Christ would be lifted high everywhere that we go, Lord, and that you alone, who deserve the highest praise, would receive all praise, all glory, and all honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we receive that. And I believe that God is doing this great shaking. And there's no question that, that what we're witnessing right now, this shaking, and, and what we're continuing to experience are attacks from the enemy. And in this attack, we need to equip ourselves with the full armor of God that we can withstand every attack, every spiritual attack that comes against us. The armor that God gives us, and we talked about the belt of truth last week, and we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness this morning. But the armor that God gives us is spiritual in nature for a spiritual battle that we're engaged in. I want to take a fresh look at Ephesians 6, 11 through 20. We read it again, but I want to read it or read it last week, but we're going to read it again this morning. And we start out with the Apostle Paul instructing us. He says, put on. Clothe yourself with the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand successfully against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And we just talked about how every single one of those is going to crumble apart. Nothing is going to remain of that. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to successfully withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayers and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the evil schemes and attacks of the devil and spiritual forces. And because of that, we need to take up the whole armor of God. And we need to remember that the most important battles that we face each and every day are not in this physical world, but they're spiritual in nature. And it takes spiritual weapons and armor to to both attack and defend in that realm. And God has provided us those weapons to stand and to fight against this enemy. The armor is spiritual in nature. The armor of God is infinitely powerful. It cannot be defeated. It cannot be penetrated. No attack from the enemy can be successful. The armor belongs to God, but He's graciously and mercifully given it to us. So this righteousness, this breastplate of righteousness is not ours, but God's. All of Scripture is very clear on this point. 
Righteousness, this word, it, it concerns the way in which we may attain a state that is approved by God. Righteousness is the state of a person who is as they should be, a condition that is acceptable to God. And since sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, a human being other than Jesus Christ has not lived who could attain righteousness. It's impossible for us to become acceptable and pleasing to God by our own ability. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing that we can say to attain that righteousness. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. This righteousness is not made up of the good deeds we do. The Bible's clear on this point. Romans 3.10 says, There's not one righteous. No, not one. If you thought you were it, you're not. (laughs) Me neither. The breastplate of righteousness is entirely the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which the Father gives us freely when we accept Him as our Savior. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, not of your own doing, it's a gift. It's a gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. We can't earn it. We can't uh, do it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift from God. It belongs to Him. And He gives it to us freely. A perfect, beautiful, holy gift. His own armor. He clothes us with it for our protection against our enemy. Philippians 3.9 says that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. It's Christ's righteousness, not our own, that covers and protects us. There's a couple of things that we need to understand about this part of the spiritual armor of God. And that the first thing is that the breastplate covers the heart and shields uh, the other vital organs of our of our body. The Bible says in Proverbs 4:23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. And that is what Christ's righteousness does for us. It protects us against all of Satan's accusations and charges it literally protects us from attacks that would otherwise kill us spiritually eternally take us out the breastplate of righteousness and i i believe it's a mystery we don't understand everything about our spiritual selves god continues to reveal things to us throughout our life but what what i do understand and what i do take away from this passage is that the breastplate of righteousness covers the most vulnerable parts of my spiritual self. The way that the breastplate in a battle covers the heart and the organ, uh, an attack that would kill us merely bounces off because of our armor. So by faith, we can trust that God, 
through the righteousness of Christ has covered our most vulnerable spiritual parts that no attack from the enemy can, can get through. He can't succeed an attack from us if we're covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you're looking to protect yourself, and we read just a moment ago that our righteousness, our best day, is a bunch of filthy rags. And I, I hadn't thought about this till I read uh, both of these scriptures together as I was preparing for this message, but if we are riding on our own righteousness, we're clothing ourselves with a breastplate of rags and going out to battle. What, what would rags protect us from? One shot from the arrow of the enemy. One, one sword blow. Neither would even have to be a good one. And we'd be taken out. Because our righteousness, our breastplate with some raggedy old dirty rags. But if we'll rely on the righteousness of Christ, we'll be covered with His righteousness, a breastplate that is infinitely powerful against every spiritual attack of the enemy, that we can stand against every attack that he would throw against us. We can never be taken out. But it's not ours. It's a free gift from Him, just like our salvation and we receive it and put it on and clothe ourselves with every good and perfect gift from above. And God says, I'll protect you. I'll hold you up in my righteous right hand so that you won't even dash your foot against a stone. He protects us. Without a breastplate, without armor, a soldier goes into battle asking for death. I know there are some of you here that have a military background and you would know a lot about armor. Even uh, you know, police may use bulletproof vests and things like that. For most of us, though, at least for me, I don't know anything about that stuff. Uh, I've never been in that type of battle. But I have an example that I want to share with you that I think brings it, at least to my understanding. Uh, and that is uh, just in how we uh, approach traveling around every day of our lives in vehicles. Uh, there's different kinds of vehicles with different levels of protection. And for years, uh, many years ago, Kenny and I were a place when, when she first uh, stayed home to raise our daughters that we got to a point that we couldn't afford two cars. And so for a while, we drove around just in one van and she would take me to work and pick me up from work. And that was the only mode of transportation that we had. Well, after a while, I was like, man, this is, you know, a lot of inconvenience. She would have to work her whole schedule around my schedule. And so, uh, and I think I had a co-worker had a motorcycle, and I found out you can get a motorcycle, uh, the insurance on a motorcycle for a whole year is like 100 bucks, or it was back then. And I was like, man, we pay more than that, you know, one month on the, on the car, and motorcycles are way cheaper. So I was like, hey, this, we could afford a motorcycle. So I got a motorcycle, and it was my primary mode of transportation. It wasn't because I enjoyed it or liked it. Um, there was many days in the rain and the cold and the heat, you know, whatever. You know, I drove in it all. Um, actually got stuck in the snow one time, like things, you, and had to leave it at work for like three days um, until it all cleared out. But anyway, but one thing that I knew and I always felt while I was on that motorcycle was vulnerability. Like, you're just out there. 
You know, it's funny that we have, we have laws that say you can't get in your car and drive away without a seatbelt on or you'll get a ticket. But get on something with two wheels and no protection, go, you know, you're a merry way. <laughs> you know, it, you know, it's kind of like all the things going on now. One rule for this and another one for this. And you're like, they don't make sense. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. But anyway, so uh, we did this for a few years. And there was a day that uh, Candy and I and the girls were in the van. Um, and we'd stopped at a light on, in one of the major streets in Amarillo. And it was like 35, 40 miles an hour speed limit. And we were like two or three cars back, and uh, we'd been there for like 20, 30 seconds. Red, light was still red. We're just sitting there. Kids are talking. Kenny and I are talking. And um, we just get rear-ended. This lady going 35, 40 miles an hour just plows into the – I mean, didn't even tap on her brake. You know, I don't know if she was on her phone or what, but just slammed into us. We went up, hit the car uh, in front of us and stuff. And um, we were, you know, everybody got a little scared. We were shaking. Nobody got injured, no broken stuff, no bruises, no nothing. But I walked away from that crash thinking, if I had have been on my motorcycle, I'd be dead. I would have had no protection. I would have been, toy- I would have been sandwiched between two cars. Apart from you know, an angel sent by God to somehow miraculously protect me, I would have been dead. But we were in a vehicle that provided us protection. And that's the difference between going out into battle with some filthy rags or going out with the breastplate of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. We're protected. We're going to get attacked. Jesus promised us, in this world you will have trouble. You will be attacked. The enemy is going to come against you. But if you'll clothe yourself with my armor, with the armor of God, not one attack of the enemy will be able to draw a fatal blow. You will stand. You will survive. We will be successful because the only thing that's going to fall apart is the world and the kingdom and domain of the enemy. Everything of God's is going to last. Everything that's His is eternal and will never shake and will never fall apart. So obviously we need to be clothing ourselves, covering ourselves with the whole armor of God. It's vitally important for us to be able to stand against the schemes and attacks of the enemy. He wants to take us out. He wants to find a place that we're not protected. And the place that we get unprotected is the moment that we take our eyes off of him and put our hope and trust and faith in the world around us. It's important that we understand the significance of each piece of armor. The breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ Jesus himself is a defensive part of our armor. It covers us and protects us. I want to close with Psalm 24, verse 4 through 5. It says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. It's his righteousness. Everything good and perfect comes from the Father above. None of it is ever of ourselves. But God says, if you will trust me, if you will put your heart and soul in mind and give me everything that you have, I will give you everything that I have. And everything that I have is eternal. 
We're literally exchanging garbage for perfection. And his heart is longing to make the trade. He says, just give it to me and I'll give you everything. But we've got to totally depend on him. Totally trust him. Totally take our eyes of the shaking world around us and put it on him. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the kingdom that's not shaking Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard for us to admit that we have to totally depend on Him? There's so many things, so many pieces that we want to hold on to. We want to tell Him, I still have something to offer you. No, I don't. I've got nothing. Nothing to offer Him, but He has everything to offer us. This morning, I want to invite you to lay down everything that's crumbling around you. It might be your very life that's apart from Christ. Your hope and your own ability to provide an income and provision for yourself and for your family, for your future. Pride, selfishness, sin. We could go on and on and on with the things that we see in the world around us that we've put our hope and our trust in that is not the King of kings and Lord of lords. And they all have one thing in common. They're all going to crumble. They're all going to pass away. Nothing, not one stone will be left on another. And we can follow after a king who's going to be left with nothing. Who's going to be left with, with rubble. Or we can follow a king whose kingdom has always been, always will be. For all eternity. And who wants to make the best trade you could ever imagine. Nothing for everything. I invite you this morning to live in and be part of His kingdom. To receive His Son. To receive His Holy Spirit. To receive His grace. To receive His mercy. To be covered with His righteousness. His life. His armor. His Holy Spirit. His fruit of the Spirit. Every blessing in this book is offered to us freely if we just will totally depend on Him. If we'll give Him our life. If we'll give Him our hope. If we'll give Him our faith. We just have to give Him everything. And He'll give us everything that's so much better than our everything. Will you bow your head and pray with me? Joy, Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the promise that's in Hebrews 12. Lord, I thank you for the promises that are in Revelation. 
you tell us how this story ends. You tell us the beginning from the end, Lord. That before the beginning of time, before creation itself, was the Word, was Jesus Christ, was the life. The, you had the answer before we made the problem. Lord, and you have looked into the future and have promised us that everything that's not of you, every kingdom that's been built apart from you is going to crumble away. And the day is going to come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is Lord. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you'll take all that is crumbling in us and anything that can crumble in us and shake it away that only the kingdom will remain. Lord, and that we'll be the bride that you've called us to be. We'll be the body of Christ that you've called us to be. We'll go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ that you've called us to proclaim. And that the world will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, we proclaim that many are going to bow their knee by their own choice, Lord. You are going to transform their heart on this side of eternity. Lord, there's a harvest. There's a harvest that's ready for harvesting today, Lord. And you've called us to go into that field. You are sending your body out to bring in that harvest, Lord. And we agree with you in that and proclaim that the harvest is going to be great. Lord, you are going to do the work that only you can do. And it's going to last forever. Father, change our hearts. Transform our hearts that will be totally dependent on you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 